1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, the last several weeks, in fact, it feels like it's been a month. I don't think it's been quite that long, but I've been trying to tell you every time I got here, I'm going to speed up and catch up, right? I'm not even going to try that tonight uh, because we're going to get into chapter 10, which is my favorite chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so uh, we're probably going to get further behind tonight. Just bear with me, and I, I promise you one day we will catch up. Uh, but where we are in the book is uh, Paul, you remember, has written this letter to them because of all the intense difficulties that they're facing, many of which are, you know, self-created with their division and they're arguing back and forth and they're not using their gifts the way that they should. In fact, they're abusing them. Not only are they not using them, they're abusing them. And that'll come up in a few chapters. But they also had written him uh, evidently some kind of letter or they had at least sent to this letter to him by someone that had a bunch of questions about relationships and you know how life changes after you become a Christian things like that and so he dealt with that as well in uh, the most recent studies that we've had in the beginning part of first Corinthians chapter 9 uh, what he dealt with is evidently a part of this division and this preacheritis if you will that has occurred there there are those people who are questioning whether or not Paul is uh you know, worthy to to be followed or to be an example or uh, or to be listened to at all. And so uh, he kind of defends himself somewhat, not a whole lot, but he does defend himself and points out if anybody in the world ought to know that he's an apostle, it ought to be the people in Corinth. Now, how should they know that? Well, not only was he there, but there's something specific. They had gifts. <laughs> They had miraculous gifts, and that only came through the laying on of an apostle's hand. So he said, you of all people, by the power that you have, ought to, ought to know that I am an apostle. And so he talks about that and, and defends himself somewhat uh, in the early part of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, as we continue on through that chapter, he's going to talk a little more about how he actually has kind of set himself up for those kinds of attacks and why. Uh, and then he's going to get into chapter 10 and kind of begin a new topic. So let's just start about verse, uh, let's start in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9:19. Actually, let me read 15 through 18 and then we'll start in 19. But I've used none of these things, talking about all of his rights that he could use. Uh, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me, talking about support them supporting him and the, and the right he had to receive support. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. What's my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. And so he says, you know, this is kind of a personal matter with me that that I'm able to preach in such a way that you don't have to, uh, you know, I, have to, I don't have to depend upon you. It's a right that he could, he could take, and all throughout the law, that's part of what God had taught them. You don't muzzle, muzzle the ox that's treading out the grain, right? And so he says, we have this right, but I actually take honor in the fact that I'm able to not have to do that. Now he goes on with a connecting word, continuing on this thought. For though... I am free from all men. That's, what that, that's why I wanted to read it, because that's what that free from all men means. You know, Here's the thing we need to consider. This is kind of an awkward class to teach, I have to tell you, because of the fact that I am a preacher and because of the fact I do 
live on your support and all of that makes it a little bit awkward but i'll just tell you what it says uh you know here's what happens i I was in a congregation several years ago and i was young and somewhat foolish obviously young i mean old people make mistakes so we make even more when we're younger usually right so i was learning and made a few mistakes but there was a gentleman sat down with next to me one sunday morning on the front pew and he and his wife hadn't even been at worship in a couple of months. Uh, but he sat down next to me and said, you know, I was really upset at, you know, what you said a while back. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry if, you know, we want to sit down and talk about it. We'll discuss it and we'll study it and, you know, we'll go from there. If you want to sit down with the elders or whatever. And he said, no. He said, you know, really, technically, you work for me. And I said, how, how do you figure that? And he said, well, I put money in the contribution, so uh, you work for me. And I kindly in my youthful way said i don't think that's really accurate i work for god not for you but the reason i tell you that story is because that's what we think isn't it i mean he's the preacher right so he needs to do things the way that i want him to do it when i want him to do it how i want him to do it look the way i want him to look sound the way i want him to sound and the reason is well because well we pay him but the truth of the matter is what we're doing is we're supporting people to serve God 24 hours a day, right? There's a difference, isn't there? It's not an employee kind of situation. It's a servant, actually, more. But that's what Paul's saying here. He said, look, I'm grateful that I'm free from all men, but I have made myself a servant of all that I might win the more. He says, I willingly do this. You know, it's not like that you have bought me. It's not like that you have a right over me. I went in and did what I did because of my relationship with God, not because of owing you something. To the Jews, I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Now I want to clarify something that he did not say, and then we'll talk about what he did say. When, when Paul writes that he became all things to all men, and he lists off a whole bunch of ways in which that's applicable, what he did not say is he lived in opposition of God's will. He didn't say I became a sinful person or lived in a sinful situation so that I could connect with sinful people. It's not what he said. What he's dealing with is restrictions people are placing on themselves. Like, for example, one of the things that we've talked about a few times that the Jews really struggled with, and Peter even struggled with that, as you know, is this idea of when a Jew became a Christian, did they still have to keep, you know, the old law? And the answer was no. But all of their life, they had practiced things such as circumcision that had become part of who they were, right? They had practiced uh, restrictions on the way that they ate because... All those things had been a part of the law. Now, when that disappeared, did those things become wrong? No. No, they didn't. When they became wrong is when they tried to insist on other people abiding by that. But it wasn't wrong for them to practice that if that's what they chose to do. And so what Paul's saying here is, in every situation, I kind of restricted myself to what these people, really, their consciences held them to. And he'll talk about some of that again in just a minute. But in chapter 8, he talked about a little bit of it with the eating of meat, right? 
Some people had a problem with that. It, the, the dietary restrictions of the old law did not come forward into the new law. So they didn't have to worry about things like, you know, whether they could eat pork or not. They didn't have to worry about that. But if that was a violation of your conscience, if that was something that you still felt strongly about, you didn't have a right to bind it on somebody else, but you needed to follow it, right? And so Paul says, I'm not going to do anything that causes you to violate your conscience. So as he writes this now, he says, look, the reason I acted the way that I acted and did the things that I did is because I felt like it was the best way to reach the most people with the gospel. It was all about the opportunity to open doors to the gospel. Not what he had to do, what he chose to do. Keep reading. 24. 24. 